Robots Radio presents. Hey, everybody, welcome into the podcast. We are back with another special bonus episode. Bonus episode. Today is our favorite day of each season. We are starting our bracket challenge. This is where we take all 32 movies that we've done in a season and we pit them head to head in an elimination style tournament. Bradley, I hope you are as excited as I am for today. Bob, there has not been a more timely bracket. Uh, You know, Corona has stolen a lot from us, but it stole March Madness from us. But I will be darned before I let it steal this bracket away from us. I am so pumped to eliminate movies, throw them into the fiery chasm, and come out to one ultimate winner. Absolutely. And I'm really excited to see who that will be. Me too, man. And, And just like you said, the way that I see it this time around, we're basically providing a public service. We should be getting subsidized for this somehow, Brad. Yeah, I I don't see how the American government shouldn't be giving us money (laughs) for serving the public so tirelessly and self-sacrificially. Now, if you are a longtime listener of the podcast, chances are you heard our season one bracket challenge. But if you're new to the podcast, we're going to break down the way that this works. Just like March Madness, we are going to walk our way through each matchup in this bracket. We'll start with the round of 32 and the Sweet 16, and then we will have another bonus episode this Thursday where we'll finish out the bracket with the Elite Eight and the Final Four all the way down to the championship. As Brad was alluding to just a minute ago, the way that we think about this is when two movies are pitted against each other, one movie gets to advance and the other movie is destroyed forever, thrown into the fiery abyss, never to be seen again. So that makes our decisions even more final. We have to consider that these movies will never be viewed by a single human being ever again. And that helps us to eliminate something and say goodbye to some of our favorite films. Yeah, I I mean, I remember hearing about this movie made in the 40s uh, and it was a really nice romance, but... I, I I can't seem to place it anymore. I think it got thrown into fiery abyss, Bob. <sighs> yeah, Brad uh, flipped a coin last year because we were we not were just split. any coin. Oh, we'll get to talking about the coin of destiny. You hold your horses, sir. Brad flipped a coin because we were split on whether or not to move Star Wars or Casablanca out of the round of 16, and the coin told us that Star Wars won and Casablanca is destroyed forever. I have not forgotten, Brad, and I will have my revenge at some point. But As you reference the coin of destiny, I think maybe we should really quickly explain how this works. The way that we set up the bracket is that we took our final scores from every episode this season for each film, and we sorted them from 1 to 32. But we also went back and said, you know what, at the end of each season, maybe the movie that I saw at the very beginning of the season is really sticking out in my mind, and I want to consider that a little bit higher than I did 32 weeks ago. And so what Brad and I did is we sat down and we just took a list of the films with no scores attached to them, and we ranked in order our favorites among these movies from 1 to 32. And so what we ended up doing is we took both of those lists and our original list of our final scores, averaged them all together, and that gave us our seating for 1 to 32 in this bracket challenge. As we go through this, Brad and I are going to share our picks for what we think should advance to the next round. When we are both in unison, that movie moves on pretty easily. When we're opposed to each other, though, we need something to split the tie, and that is where the coin of destiny comes in. Now, Brad is going to flip a coin, and we have somehow decided that Brad should be responsible for flipping the coin. I am more than a little suspicious of his coin flipping ability and uh, his proclivity to cheat. So we'll see what happens. I want you at home to take tally of how many of Brad's picks move on as opposed to my picks, but we shall see. 
I will say uh, two comments on your outrageous accusations. Number one, if you're not cheating, you're not trying. And number two, <laughs> I would never, ever cheat. So okay. we're pretty much set for this uh, bracket challenge, wouldn't you say, Bob? We're getting there, Brad. As we move through this bracket, we are going to be sipping on some whiskey from one of our favorite craft distillers, Big Escambia Spirits, down in Alabama. Their master distiller, Sean Detling, has sent us three more samples to try. You might remember them from earlier in the season. They sent us a blind flight to do, which included some of their products and some others. It was really fun, and Sean enjoyed it so much that he sent us three more products to try. So as we move through this episode, Brad and I will be sipping on the Detling Select Single Barrel White Wheat the Detling first release of their Bottled and Bond, and the Detling Single Barrel Cask Strength, which is an experimental run they did using Alabama Oak. We are very, very excited to get into trying these whiskeys, but Brad, even more than that, I'm excited to get into eliminating some movies. So what do you say we move into our bracket? Robert, let's get to it. All right, so starting, Brad, on the left side of the bracket. And for those of you who are listening, we will post this both on our website and on our Instagram page so you can follow along. We're going to move straight down the left side of the bracket, starting here in quadrant number one. And that brings us to our first matchup, the number one seed, Saving Private Ryan, versus the number 32 seed, Back to the Future. Brad, these were the last two films that we did this season, and one of them ended up being our favorite movie overall, and one of them ended up being our least favorite movie. We are still reeling from what we said about Back to the Future. Yeah, I mean, if you've been listening to the podcast, then you know how we feel about these two movies. You know, I, I think that Saving Private Ryan had its issues, but it is overall a classic in American cinema, and, and you really can't beat it when it comes to war movies. And when you look at Back to the Future... I think you see a lot of the problems that you have in 80s cinema in general just all boiled down to its essence. So it's a pretty obvious winner here for me, Bob. I had Saving Private Ryan moving on in the first round. I did too, Brad. So our first entry into the Sweet 16 is Steven Spielberg's Saving Private Ryan. And we can very quickly move to our second matchup, which is a much more challenging one because we're right in the middle of the bracket here. We're talking about the number 16 seed, The Sound of Music, going up against the number 17 seed, Aladdin. Now, these are movies that we both liked. Brad and I both said The Sound of Music, not the 10 out of 10 that we thought it would be, but it's definitely an 8. And then we were a little more split on Aladdin. Brad gave Aladdin a 10 out of 10. And for me, I'm a little bit cooler on it. I gave it only a 7 out of 10. So I have a feeling, Brad, that I know where you're going to go on Sound of Music versus Aladdin. But why don't you enlighten us about where you went on this one? Yeah, I mean, I think that the Coin of Destiny might get pulled on this. And and I honestly wouldn't be surprised or upset if it did. You know, I, I moved Aladdin on in my bracket because I, I do think it's the better movie overall. But there are arguments to be made for Sound of Music as far as impact and longevity but for me, I, I think the pick was was pretty obviously going to be Aladdin. Well, Brad, it is time for the coin of destiny because I did pick The Sound of Music to advance. This is, like you said, Brad, this was kind of a, a flip of the coin, to be quite honest with you. I'm fine with either one of these movies moving on. They're both really good movies, but let's see what the coin has to say. So, Brad, The Sound of Music will be heads, Aladdin will be tails. Why don't you flip that coin? Thank you. 
Heads it is. Sound of Music is moving on. Sound of Music moves into the Sweet 16. Man, I, I am a little bit disappointed that Aladdin doesn't move on, but honestly, I had it losing to Saving Private Ryan next round, so, so it's not too heartbreaking of a loss for me. Which brings us to matchup number three. This is the number nine seed, Mr. Smith Goes to Washington, up against the number 24 seed, Stagecoach. These were both movies that came out of our series of 1939 films from early on in season two. And Brad, I'm really surprised to see that Mr. Smith Goes to Washington fell as far as it did in this bracket challenge because I gave it a nine and a half. You gave it a 10 out of 10. But when it was time for us to turn in our rankings at the end of the season to each other, you had Mr. Smith Goes to Washington, I think, in like 20th place out of the season, even though you gave it a 10 out of 10 on the episode. So that actually really affected the seeding of this movie. Bob, I don't know what it was, but when I was making up my my list of the movies just based on, you know, my gut, for some reason, I, I had no idea where to place Mr. Smith. I, I feel like I could have put it at like as high as eight or nine or as low as 24 or 25. I, it was just a mystery to my soul. And so I, I just kind of put it in where it felt right. It's not necessarily a movie that I, you know, I dislike after watching it. I just wasn't really sure what to do with it. It it didn't stick out to me as like the best movie we saw all year. And it just kind of kept tumbling down the ranks when I was making my my rankings. Yeah. And it actually tumbled so far, Brad, that I'm pretty sure you ranked it below Stagecoach. You had Stagecoach kind of as your middle of the road. I think it was like 15 or 16 in your ranking. And for me, Stagecoach was, I think, like third or fourth from the bottom. That was one of those movies that on rewatch, it just didn't really hold up for me the way that it used to. So that actually bumped Stagecoach up to our 24th ranking. Brad, I don't think it's any surprise that I'm moving Mr. Smith Goes to Washington onto the Sweet 16, but I want to hear what you think. Yeah, I, I think that maybe this was a return to sense for me. I also chose Mr. Smith to go on. Um, when you put it up head-to-head against Stagecoach, I do think Mr. Smith is the better movie. And, and not only that, it's the more important movie. I think there's a lot of lessons in Mr. Smith Goes to Washington that that we probably need to relearn in our current political era. And so for me, it was definitely a vote to move Mr. Smith on. All right. So Mr. Smith goes to Washington, moves fairly easily into the Sweet 16, which brings us to the last matchup of this quadrant, Brad, the number eight seed when Harry met Sally up against the number 25 seed Warrior. Warrior was one of those movies that I thought that we would both like more than we ended up liking. We found quite a few flaws in the storytelling aspects of that movie. Whereas When Harry Met Sally was a film that I had never sat down and watched before, you had never seen before, we'd always heard so much about how it's this classic romantic comedy, it's, you know, a a perfect genre movie, and the farther and the farther away we get from actually having watched it, the more I find myself thinking about this movie, Brad. I really just love this film, it's already just conjuring up so many fond memories for me, and at least for me, this was a no-brainer, I am moving When Harry Met Sally on to The Sweet Sixteen. Yeah, Bob, I actually just watched When Harry Met Sally again recently with friend of show Jordan McCain. Oh, nice. Uh, he had, yeah, he had not seen it before. He is on his quest to watch 1,000 movies, uh, and this was like movie 920-something for him. So, yeah, I, I watched it again recently, and Bob, I was not disappointed. Watching it for a second time, I was once again blown away by the wittiness, by how sharp the writing is, the dialogue. 
And then also at how amazing Meg Ryan and Billy Crystal were in the film. So yeah, it's an easy vote for me to move Harry and Sally on to the next round. Well, there you have it. We have finished one quadrant of our round of 32, and moving on into the next round are Saving Private Ryan, The Sound of Music, Mr. Smith Goes to Washington, and When Harry Met Sally. Brad, let's hit pause here, and let's try this first Detling brand whiskey. What do you say? Let's get to it. All right, so we are trying the first of our three Big Escambia Detling brand whiskeys, and this is their single barrel white wheat whiskey. It's coming in at 94 proof. Brad, I'm a big fan of wheat whiskeys. I just think that there's just such a smoothness to them. They're such easy sippers. But at 94 proof, this does pack a little bit of a punch. I'm really excited to get into trying it. Um, We have it poured out here in front of us. Brad, what are you picking up on the nose of this? Honestly, it does remind me of Weller of Weller Antique a little bit. It's got that nice, weedy, almost like a golden touch to the nose that just smells smooth. I I know I'm not using like normal uh, nasal adjectives, but man, it just smells smooth and I'm excited to try it. Yeah, the first couple things that I get off of this are all fruit. I get a lot of peach and a lot of pear, and I really, really like that. It does smell a little bit young. And when I say that a whiskey smells young, for me, a whiskey that that is kind of young, that hasn't been aged long enough necessarily, or that's been aged for a lesser amount of time, it, it, they tend to smell kind of like moonshine a little bit. If you've ever had a jar of moonshine or a sip of moonshine before, you, kn- you know that distinct alcohol smell that comes with moonshine. And this has a little bit of that, but that's not a bad thing. And I think it plays really well with these fruit notes that I'm getting. So Brad, what do you say we see if these notes carry through to the taste? This is this is a really bright uh, whiskey. I think it it does have a little bit of woodiness on its flavor. Mm. Like you can you can kind of taste that oakiness on the palate, but on the finish, it's got a nice Kentucky hug. And really, on the finish is where I get a few of those hints of almost like a plum or an apple kind of coming through. Yeah, it's really sweet up front for me, but it has this really distinct kind of tingle throughout the palate. Like it's it's not just a burn from the alcohol. There's some nice spice to this. On the finish for me, after I swallow, I get almost like a black coffee as I kind of breathe out. A really dark roast coffee. I Brad, I, I'm really, really impressed with this whiskey. This is probably the best thing from Big Escambia that I've had yet. Uh, if I had to give this an overall score, I mean, I actually did when I took notes and I came out to Seven and a half nose, seven taste, seven finish, eight and a half on the balance. So I'm a big fan of this. What do you think of this white wheat, Brad? Yeah, Bob, if I remember correctly, I feel like our last foray through Big Escambia, we the the word we used most was like unique. Mm-hmm. Like like it was very unique whiskeys that are definitely worth trying, but maybe not something I would, you know, have on my shelf week in and week out. Uh, this is some good stuff. Yeah, for sure. They they have put out a product that I would gladly keep on my shelf at all times. Well, as we continue to sip on this white wheat, Brad, we have more movies to get through. So let's get to quadrant two in our round of 32. All right. So we are moving into quadrant number two in our round of 32. And that takes us to the bottom left part of our bracket, where we have the number four seed, the sixth sense, going up against the number 29 seed, The Wizard of Oz. Now, Brad, The Wizard of Oz is a classic that is beloved by a lot of people. You and I had a lot of issues with it. It's a garbage movie, Bob, for garbage people. (laughs) 
I have never quite felt like it is the, you know, the paragon of all classic movies that some people make it out to be. I really liked The Sixth Sense a lot. I'm kind of surprised that it's our number four overall seed. I think it's a really solid genre movie that has a lot of good drama underneath it. And I don't know how far it's going to go overall in our bracket, but at least for this round, this was a no-brainer for me. I am moving The Sixth Sense on over The Wizard of Oz. Yeah, Bob, I The Wizard of Oz... If you want to know more of my thoughts, go back and listen to the episode. I'm not a fan. Throw some water on it. The Sixth Sense is moving on. <laughs> well, that was nice and easy. And that takes us to the second matchup in this round. This is the 13th seed, One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, the 1975 Best Picture winner, up against the number 20 overall seed, Gone with the Wind, the 1939 Best Picture winner. Brad, once again, I was a little surprised by the overall seating. I really liked One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. You did as well. I think we both gave it like an eight and a half. But I loved Gone with the Wind and was not expecting to this time around. You were middle of the road about it. If I can recall correctly, you either gave it a six or a six and a half. I gave it a nine and a half. Uh, so for me, I moved Gone with the Wind on over One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. I am not expecting you to do the same. But why don't you hit us with your pick here, Brad? Yeah, that's interesting, Bob. I genuinely thought you would put Cuckoo ahead. Um, Gone with the Wind is the single most melodramatic movie I've ever seen. And I understand why soap operas are so popular because I know that Gone with the Wind has made more money, relatively speaking, with inflation than any other movie at the box office. Like if people are obsessed with melodrama back in the 30s that much, I suddenly understood why people are watching General Hospital and all of the other soaps out there. So for me, it's going to be cuckoo moving forward, which I believe means we have to we have to pull out the coin of destiny. That's correct, Brad. We are going to be flipping that coin. Heads will be one flew over the cuckoo's nest. Tails will be gone with the wind. Brad, flip that coin. We flip heads once again. Mm. One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest moves on. That's a big upset for me because I actually had it beating the Sixth Sense again in my round of 16 and getting to the Elite Eight. So uh, we took out the two most, two of the most beloved films ever made in two consecutive picks here with The Wizard of Oz and Gone with the Wind, both going into The Fiery Furnace. I'm very sorry to director Victor Fleming, but he now has no films left in our bracket. Victor Fleming, you full of garbage. That takes us to matchup number three. This is the 12 seed, Finding Nemo, up against the 21 seed, Awakenings. Finding Nemo is a classic of Pixar films. I think Brad and I were both, I think we were gave it like an eight and a half or a nine, Brad. It's a really great Pixar movie. It's neither of our favorite Pixar movie. Awakenings is a movie that I've always really had a soft spot for, that Brad enjoyed, but neither of us were arguing for it to be higher up on this list. And so for me, this this also was kind of a no-brainer, Brad. I did move Finding Nemo on to the next round. I don't anticipate Finding Nemo going too far in this bracket, but it definitely gets the nod over Awakenings for me. Yeah, it's going to be hard coming up against the movie I expect to win our first round uh, with our next pick. But yeah, Finding Nemo is the obvious pick here. I, I really think that Finding Nemo is Pixar at its best. Um, you have a heartfelt story that is full of adventure and fun and laughs. Um, it's a tearjerker. There, there's just so much going on there. I love Finding Nemo, and I'm easily moving it on in this round. All right, and that takes us to the last matchup of this quadrant. 
which is the number five overall seed, Django Unchained, up against the number 28 seed, The Breakfast Club. Brad, Django Unchained is my favorite Quentin Tarantino movie. I would not argue that it's his best. I still think Pulp Fiction's his best. Uh, but this is a movie that I think can really do some damage in our bracket here. If it catches the right breaks, I could really see this being the dark horse of the whole bracket. I don't even need to talk about The Breakfast Club in relation to this movie because I am so easily bumping Django ahead. But Brad, I'm curious to kind of pick your brain a little bit on whether you think Django has the legs to make it really, really deep into this bracket. I mean, seeing as I picked picked The Breakfast Club over it, I don't know if I think it can make it very far. <laughs> no, Bob, I Django Unchained is a beautiful movie. And with Quentin Tarantino being our only winning director of our film and whiskey bracket so far, I would expect that he is a strong contender in this bracket as well. All right. So that means that Django Unchained finishes out this quadrant as it moves to the Sweet 16. The Sixth Sense, One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, Finding Nemo, and Django Unchained have all moved on. Brad, before we move to the right side of our bracket, I want to give out our first Film and Whiskey Award for this season. Uh, last, last season, we talked about how these are basically our version of Michael Scott's Dundies, and it's no different this year. Uh, our first award for season two is the most overrated film. This is where we take our scores, the average of our scores, up against the people at IMDb who have voted on a movie, and we see what movie IMDb users loved that we were not so hot on. Brad, do you want to take any guesses as to what that movie might be? Oh, that's got to be Back to the Future or Gone with the Wind. It absolutely is Back to the Future. That movie is uh, number 34 or 35, I think, on their top 250, and it has an overall average of an 8.5. Brad and I actually averaged out to a 4.5 on that movie. So we are a full 40% different than IMDb on Back to the Future. So Robert Zemeckis, your award is waiting at Brad's house if you'd like to pick up Most Overrated from Film and Whiskey. Come on down, Robert. We have it waiting for you. (laughs) All right, Brad, we're going to move into the right side of our bracket. Starting at the top here, we have the number two overall seed, Do the Right Thing, up against the number 31 seed, Lost in Translation. Lost in Translation is a movie that I'm kind of surprised Brad was so okay with. I think you gave it like a six overall. It was a movie that I just have never been able to make it through. I know many people think it's a beautiful film. It's just never done it for me, and I find myself essentially bored to tears when it comes to that film. Even if I had liked that movie, though, Brad, I don't think it stood a chance against Do the Right Thing. That It's such an important incendiary kind of movie that is just so jarring. Um, It's like a shot in the arm and do the right thing for me moves on easily in this round. I see what you did there. It's it's incendiary because things catch on fire. Literally. Look at you go. It's almost like you were an English major for two minutes. (laughs) Three years, but that's cool. So here's the thing. I actually look back on Lost in Translation kind of fondly. Like, like I, I know I didn't care for it, and I probably wouldn't watch it again, but I'm kind of like, yeah, that, that movie had potential. Not nearly enough potential to overcome Do the Right Thing. I mean, Do the Right Thing is an absolute juggernaut of a film that that really, like you said, Bob, it packs a punch, and it deserves to go on for so many different reasons, and we're easily going to move it past Lost in Translation in the first round. Yeah, I think that's pretty fair to say, which takes us to what I imagine will be a matchup that we are split on, Brad. The number 15 seed, Goodwill Hunting, up against the number 18 seed, The Iron Giant. 
Brad is one of seven people in the cataloged universe to have not really gotten on board with The Iron Giant, uh, a movie that the rest of us love. I am about one of seven people in the cataloged universe to not really get on board with Goodwill Hunting, a movie that I think is fine. I think I gave it a seven out of ten, but have never understood the absolute fawning over that people do with this movie. Uh, Brad, I assume you're moving Goodwill Hunting on in this round. I'm moving on The Iron Giant, which I think is a vastly superior movie. Bob, <laughs> that's just such a ridiculous statement. Like, The Iron Giant was fine. Um, it's a decent example of animated film, but there's a lot of problems with it. You can see where the budget cuts hit it. I don't think that it's a great movie. Um, I think that you could take anything from Pixar and put it above it. The, there's a lot of issues with The Iron Giant, and I'm not going to act like Goodwill Hunting is perfect. Um, but for me, if I was making up this bracket, I feel like Goodwill Hunting would probably be anywhere from a four to a seven seed. And so I, I'm really surprised that it fell as low as it did. I'm moving Goodwill Hunting on. Let's flip that coin, Destiny. Yeah. And as Brad flips that coin, this might actually be a really fun poll for us to put up on Instagram or on Twitter, Brad, because I have a feeling that if we ask people to pick one and throw the other one into the abyss, we might get close to a 50-50 split on this one. So I'm really anxious to hear, Brad, tell us what the coin of destiny says on this matchup. Well, Bob, first off, I'm going to disagree with you there. I almost guarantee you that Instagram and Twitter and Facebook would all choose Goodwill Hunting over the Iron Giant. Um, but as I flip, we're going to throw heads onto Goodwill Hunting and tails onto the Iron Giant. Well, the coin of destiny has spoken. Goodwill Hunting moves on. All right. Coin of destiny sucks. <laughs> the coin of destiny can go kick rocks. <laughs> the Iron Giant has been cast into the fiery abyss. Brad, it doesn't make that much difference. I had it getting beat in the next round anyway, but we'll see what happens with Goodwill Hunting. That takes us to the next matchup in this quadrant, which is the number 10 overall seed, Ridley Scott's film Alien, up against another space-related movie, the number 23 overall seed, Interstellar. Brad, the Interstellar episode was one of my favorite episodes to do this season because I have never seen you convince yourself how much you like a movie during the course of an episode the way you did with Interstellar. You started out talking about how you had massive problems with it, and by the end you were like, you know what, no, it's an 8 out of 10. So it was really kind of cool watching you uh, decide that it wasn't as bad as you thought it was. For me, it was as bad as I thought it was. I have never understood why people love Interstellar. It was a five and a half for me. Ridley Scott's Alien, despite not being the best movie in this bracket, I think is an absolute classic. It still works. It's still super suspenseful. I moved Alien on over Interstellar. Yeah, Bob, I with Interstellar, it's definitely a movie that has issues. Honestly, I would put that and Alien on somewhat equal footing. You know, I, I think it's fun that our our bracket shook out so that we have these two sci-fi movies right here in the first round. For me, I actually moved Interstellar on. Um, I, I'm not a horror movie person. And while I, you know, I don't think that Alien is a hack and slash type of horror film in any way. Um, I think there's a lot of beautiful suspense in that movie. I do enjoy the film Interstellar more. And so, Bob, we're going to have to flip that wow. coin once again. Back-to-back -back coin of destiny flips. I'm going to get real mad if I don't win one here, Brad. So let's let's see what's going on with Alien as heads versus Interstellar as tails. Brad, flip that coin. 
Bob, I, I believe the coin has come up heads every time. Alien as heads moves on to the next wow. round. All right. So I got one in on this side here so far. And that takes us to the last matchup of this quadrant, which is the number seven overall seed, Birdman, the 2014 Best Picture winner, up against 1993's Mrs. Doubtfire, one of our favorite Robin Williams performances. Brad, I was actually really happy with how our scores on Mrs. Doubtfire came out. You know, we both basically said this is a fun movie. It's a funny movie. It's a great Robin Williams performance, but it's really nothing more than that. I think we both gave it a seven out of ten. Whereas Birdman, I think for us, was either a nine or a nine and a half for both of us. This one for me is not challenging at all. I just think Birdman blows Mrs. Doubtfire out of the water in every facet. Yeah, Birdman is is one of the better movies we've ever watched on the podcast, in my opinion. As When you just take everything combined, I really think it's an innovative film that has so much to offer the modern film audience. I love Birdman, and that's an easy, easy pick for me in the first round. All right, that means that as we finish up this quadrant, the four movies moving on to the next round are Do the Right Thing, Goodwill Hunting, Alien, and Birdman. Brad, it's time for us to hit pause once again and try this second Detling brand whiskey. What do you say? I After that first one, I'm really excited to get into this, Bob. All right, so we are trying this second Big Escambia Detling brand whiskey, and this one is their Bonded whiskey. It says it's the first release of this whiskey, which means I think, Brad, we're getting something here that not many people have gotten so far. I do like my 100 proof whiskeys. It does sometimes tend to fall in that range for me that it can be really iffy. It could be a little bit too harsh without having the character of a barrel proof. So I'm really interested to see what our friend Sean Detling did here uh, with this whiskey. We have it poured out in front of us. Brad, why don't you tell me what you're picking up on the nose? Bob, honestly, after our experience with the white wheat earlier, I, I'm a little bit disappointed here. I, I'm not noticing as much on the nose. This one certainly isn't as bright as the white wheat was. This one has a lot more yeah. of those classic bourbon notes. As it's kind of sat out for a few minutes here, Brad, I got a really interesting hint of like bubble gum, like a really sugary, almost like a double bubble kind of smell, which I thought was really interesting. But whereas the first one had like pear and peach and you said plum on it. I get a lot more citrus on this one, almost like a almost like a grapefruit, a little bit of like a bitter citrus. I like it, but for me, this one, it, it does pale in comparison a little bit to that white wheat on the nose. But let's give it a taste, Brad, and see what we think. Yeah, Bob, I, I think you hit the nail on the head when you mentioned like a bitter citrus. Mm-hmm. Um, it kind of has an orangey, cit- citrusy taste to it. That sours a little bit on the finish. Absolutely. That's, that's exactly what um, I wrote. I don't know how else to describe it, Brad, except I wrote down like the, the finish is like sour alcohol. Like it's not necessarily a bad taste, but it does turn into almost like a, a citrusy bitters flavor on the, the back end of the palate. I think the front end was a yeah. little more sugary, but you're right. It definitely goes that route towards the end. Yeah. On the front end, I'm actually getting that kind of bubblegum type of flavor. But by the time you finish, it's a little bit sour, and and I'm not enjoying it nearly as much as that first one. Now, I will say, that that's this is not to say that I think this is a bad whiskey. All of my scores on this one still came out, uh, you know, over a five mark. So, you know, if, if we were pressed to say, do you recommend, do you not recommend, I would probably still recommend this one. But in comparison to that white wheat, which is one of the better whiskeys that I've had on this podcast in weeks and weeks, 
I would say this one, it's a little bit milder of a recommendation. Yeah, I the, this is the danger of doing a lineup of whiskeys, is that if I was just drinking this by itself, you know, I might give it a little bit higher of a score, but man, when you have something else so fresh on your on your mind, it's easy to compare them, and this one doesn't quite hold up as much. Still a good whiskey. All right, Brad, so we have more movies to eliminate and throw into the fiery furnace. Let's bring this Detling whiskey along with us as we knock some movies out of existence. What do you say? Let's get to it. All right, so the last quadrant in our round of 32 starts off with the number three overall seed, Christopher Nolan's masterpiece, The Dark Knight, up against the number 30 seed, a movie that many consider to be the best film of all time, 2001, A Space Odyssey. Now, if you are not a listener of this podcast, or if you're just a recent listener, this is a movie that Brad and I extensively talked about how innovative, how beloved, how uh, admired this movie is. And we both admire it. But at least for me, it's it's inaccessible. And I've never been as big of a fan of it as a lot of people are. And I think we both ended up giving this movie like a 6 out of 10, Brad, um, which I know is blasphemy to some people, but that's how we felt. And because our averages were so low, it dropped it down to being actually the 30th overall seed in this bracket. Yeah, I, I will say, similarly to Lost in Translation, I, I look back on 2001 fondly. Like, I, I think I have an appreciation for the greatness of the movie, but at the same time, when I actually watch it, I, I, th- this is going to be blasphemous, but I don't think it's as great of a film as people make it out to be. Um, it, it's not accessible, and I, I don't think it's accessible even to the cinephiles out there as they think it is. Um, it feels like there is a nostalgia about the movie, that there's a feeling about the movie that isn't actually true. And for me, yeah, it, it was easy to move Dark Knight ahead. Agreed, Brad. So let's get rid of 2001 quickly before the hate mail rolls our way from the cinephiles with their pinkies up. And let's move to the next matchup. Brad, this was the hardest matchup for me in the entire bracket. And actually, as I look at it now, I still haven't made a pick. So we're talking about the 14th overall seed, Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone, going up against the number 19 overall seed, Casino Royale. Brad and I both love Casino Royale. We say that it may be the best Bond movie, but the reason that there's still room for argument is that ending, that last half hour that just drags and drags. We are both also huge fans of the Sorcerer's Stone. It held up better than we expected it to hold up. Of the Chris Columbus movies in our bracket, I think this is by far the best one, Brad. I am really interested to see who you moved on. As I look at it now, I think I'm going to give the nod to Casino Royale, but I I almost hate to say that because I hate to see Harry Potter go into the fiery abyss. Well, Bob, when you look at these two movies, both of them are landmark and pivotal for their respective franchises. The Sorcerer's Stone, you know, the best part about the movie is that it sets up the world of Harry Potter, this this world of magic, in such a beautiful way that I, I think Chris Columbus is underrated in how well he sets up this world for us. Whereas in Casino Royale, it resets the world, where we find ourselves with a new Bond who's a little bit darker, a little bit grittier, and one who has more character development in its two-and-a-half-hour film than you see across the entire 
uh, catalog of James Bond films that happened before it. So both of them are landmark movies. It's just so hard for me to pick one of these two. But I think that for me, the bigger cultural impact that Harry Potter has had on our world made me pick Sorcerer's Stone. I'm glad you did, Brad, because I don't want to pick one of these movies over the other. And I think it's fitting that we go to the coin of destiny to decide for us. So Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone will be heads. Casino Royale will be tails. Brad, flip that coin. Bob, the reign of heads is continuing strong. Really? Yeah. Once again, heads wins. We have Sorcerer's Stone moving on, decided by the coin of destiny. That's awesome. And that takes us to the final two matchups of our round of 32, starting with The Revenant, the 11 seed, up against Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets, the 22 seed. For me, Brad, this was a no-brainer. We both thought that the Chamber of Secrets was slightly worse than uh, Sorcerer's Stone. Still a good movie. I loved The Revenant. You liked The Revenant a lot. I have a feeling that we both picked The Revenant over The Chamber of Secrets. Bob, as much as I like to contradict you and would love to change my pick here, um, <laughs> just you know, just to screw with yeah. you, The Re- the Revenant is the better film. I-, I-, I think Chamber of Secrets is probably vying for the worst of all the Harry Potter movies for me, but y- yeah, I The Revenant is an easy choice. I, I don't really have much else to say. All right, and then our last matchup is the number six overall seed, The Empire Strikes Back, up against the number 27 seed, Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. I love both of these movies. I'm really sad to see them match up in the first round. I think that in my own bracket, Eternal Sunshine would really do some damage if it wasn't knocked all the way down to the number 27 seed by Brad's ridiculous rating of that movie at a two out of 10. Uh, but up against Empire, it it just can't stand. So. Empire actually moves on for me in this round of 32 matchup, Brad. Bob, I I think that this matchup of all the matchups we have had, and I might dare say ever will have on the podcast, this matchup had the most possibility of inducing an anger-fueled rampage (laughs) on my end. Um, I will say, I, I will fully admit that I am probably wrong with my take on the eternal sunshine of the spotless mind. I was even looking at friend of show Josh Larson's rankings for movies over the last 20 years. Uh, Josh Larson had eternal sunshine of the spotless mind as his favorite movie of 2004. It's a great movie. So, you know, I, I will admit my take was probably wrong. But the clear choice here is Empire Strikes Back. It absolutely back. is. I mean, I, I, it's an The Empire pick. Strikes Back is an improvement in every way on A New Hope. And all of the little gripes I have with The New Hope, Brad, I, I said at that time, both of its sequels are better than it. And I, I mean that. I still think Return of the Jedi is better than A New Hope. Empire is the closest that a movie in that series will ever get to being perfect. It is my favorite Star Wars film. I don't think it's a perfect film. I, I, and I know that I like it slightly less than Brad does, but... It moves on in this round of 32, which means our last four entries into the Sweet 16 are The Dark Knight, Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone, The Revenant, and The Empire Strikes Back. Brad, it's time for us to give out another one of our awards, and this actually goes to the opposite of the last award, the most underrated film. A movie that we liked a lot and that users on IMDb were slightly cooler on. Brad, what do you think that film might be? 
Man, I'm actually struggling a little bit to think of that. This is a this is an interesting one. I'm kind of curious how high people were on Django Unchained. Uh, I'm not sure if that one would be as high. But other than that, I, I really don't know, Bob. This is a mystery to me. Yeah, and it actually wasn't too, too far off. But we ended up being uh, 1.85 points apart from the IMDb rating, which is, you know, not insignificant. Uh, and that goes to our number two overall seed, Do the Right Thing, a movie that we averaged out to a 9.75 and that IMDb users only gave a 7.92. That film was not even in the top 250 on IMDb. Man, that's that's amazing to me. I I am flabbergasted that Do the Right Thing doesn't have a higher score on IMDb. I mean, that is a landmark of cinema. Absolutely. <laughs> that's crazy. So Spike Lee, you can come pick up your award for the most underrated film in our season two bracket. Brad, that means that we are ready to get into the Sweet 16. We need to move quickly through these. So let me just list the four movies that are going up head to head in this quadrant in our two matchups. We have the number one seed, Saving Private Ryan, up against the number 16 seed, Sound of Music. And the number nine seed, Mr. Smith Goes to Washington, up against the number eight seed, When Harry Met Sally. Uh, Brad, let's go to this first matchup, because I have a feeling that this one is going to be the easier one to pick. Uh, Saving Private Ryan is our number one overall seed, a film that we both gave tens to, a film that continues to impress us 20 plus years after its release. We were split on Sound of Music versus Aladdin. The Sound of Music has moved on. I don't think either of us would argue for it to be included in this bracket any further over Saving Private Ryan. No, Saving Private Ryan is an easy pick to move on. There, there's so much to like about that film. And and it's not that I don't love Sound of Music, but you know, regardless of it being Sound of Music or Aladdin, Saving Private Ryan was going to move on. Yeah, absolutely. So that one's pretty easy to pencil in here. Saving Private Ryan is our first entry into the Elite Eight. Now, we are coming up to what may or may not be a challenging one. The number nine seed, Mr. Smith Goes to Washington, up against the number eight seed, When Harry Met Sally. This is a challenging one, Brad. I wouldn't mind seeing either of these moved on. But Mr. Smith Goes to Washington was significantly higher up my rankings list than it was on yours. And I do like it more than When Harry Met Sally. So for me, I picked Mr. Smith to move on. I have a feeling we might be split on this one. Yeah, Robert, uh, When Harry Met Sally is is the better movie. I, I love Mr. Smith Goes to Washington. But like I said, I have grown in my appreciation for Rob Reiner and his, you know, classic in rom-com cinema. Uh, for me, it's when Harry met Sally easily moving forward. Brad, I have a question for you. If I was able to uh, smuggle a copy of Mr. Smith as all the other copies are destroyed, if that ends up happening and hide it under my floorboards, would you be willing to rewatch Mr. Smith? Because I have a feeling that you may just be forgetting something about that movie. For you to give it a 10 out of 10 and then so easily cast it aside has been really surprising to me. I would love to come over your house, sit down, and right as you're about to pop it in the TV, I would grab it, snap it in half, and just be astonished at your just utter rebuke of the film and whiskey process. I mean, how could you disrespect the bracket so I'm deeply? just saying... You are dismissing a 10 out of 10 really easily here, Brad. But regardless, we have a coin to flip. Heads will be Mr. Smith Goes to Washington. Tails will be When Harry Met Sally. Brad, let's get that second entry into the Elite Eight figured out here.
Robert. Bradley. For the first time. Oh, oh whatever. Whatever. The coin has been flipped to be tails. Uh-huh. Sure it has. When Harry Met Sally moves on to the Elite Eight. I'm not super upset about this one. It's a great movie. I'm just a little suspicious of your coin flipping ability. Uh, I did have Mr. Smith losing in the next round anyway, so it's not that big of a deal. That's that's why I'm not super upset about it. Uh, and so that means that our first two entrants into the Elite Eight are Saving Private Ryan and When Harry Met Sally. Brad, we need to drink the third in this lineup of Detling whiskeys. Let's get to it. All right, so our third and final Detling whiskey that we're trying is this Alabama Oak. Now, Bob, you know, I'm a decently smart man. I have a, a undergraduate degree. I have a master's degree. And I'm going to take a guess that the oak trees they use for the making of this whiskey are from Alabama. I would hope so. Otherwise, I'm, I'd am i be very confused. This Detling single barrel that he has sent us is an experimental, which is being made somehow with Alabama oak. I don't know if the process is different or if it's just the type of oak being used. Uh, I will say that it is a cask strength whiskey that clocks in at 58.4% alcohol by volume, which figures out to be, what, 116.8 proof. So, Brad, prepare yourself for this barrel-proof whiskey. What are you picking up on the nose of this one? Well, before I get to the nose, Bob, I just love the color on this whiskey. Yeah, it's great. If I'm being honest with you, I think one of the reasons I like uh, barrel-proof whiskeys, it's just because they're so darn pretty. Yeah, yeah. And they taste pretty good, too, if I do say so myself. Yeah, and on this one, you're really getting a lot of deep notes on this. Um I feel like I'm getting some strong notes of that oak. Um, There's a little hint of rye in Mm. there that I'm getting. It's a little bit spicy. I'm excited about this whiskey. Yeah, I'm actually getting more malty notes on this one. Uh, This is almost scotchy to me on the nose. And that's not to say anything negative about it. It's just got like some character to it. So I'm excited to try it, Brad. Let's give it a sip. Ooh, Bob, I, <laughs> you, you were talking for such a long time there that I was, I was already diving into the depths of this beautiful whiskey. That is some good stuff, my friend. Yeah, it's really sweet. It's really strong. Uh, the finish, the, the word that I wrote down in my notes was just chesty. It's not harsh on, on the palate, but there is definitely a hug going down uh, to the point where I almost had to take a little sip of water afterwards just to like get it down out of my esophagus. I really like it, though. The taste is really, really wonderful. Brad, you know, if you had to give like the taste and the finish a score, what do you think you would come out to on this? Bob, this might be one of my favorite barrel proof whiskeys we've had. I mean, it has this deep, rich, caramely flavor to it. I'm going to come close to an eight and a half to a nine on both flavor and finish. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, Brad, I I am very impressed by this lineup and what they are producing down at Big Escambia. Uh, Sean, if we still have your ear, anytime you want to send us another bottle of that white wheat or this barrel-proof Alabama oak, we would be happy recipients. If I had to rank them, Brad, because we're into ranking things around here, I'd probably put the white wheat number one. I'd put this... Barrel Strength, Alabama Oak second, and then the Bonded third. All very good whiskeys, but those top two especially are like two thumbs up for me. Yeah, I would put them neck and neck. I think the Alabama Oak, I think it comes away with a hair of a lead. That, man, that Alabama Oak, the Barrel Proof, just is impressive. Highly recommend. 
if you're able to get your hands on this stuff, please go do it immediately. All right, Brad, that takes us to the rest of our Sweet 16. What do you say we get back into eliminating some movies? All right, so that takes us to the bottom quadrant in our Sweet 16. We are going with the number four overall seed, The Sixth Sense, up against the 13 seed, One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. Brad, I had the I had gone with the wind going to the Elite Eight over The Sixth Sense. Uh, so we may end up having to flip a coin anyway here, Brad. If I had to pick one to go in since mine got eliminated, I think that I would pick uh, The Sixth Sense. I don't know. How do we count this for me? Well, yeah, I think that as we move throughout the bracket, we have to re-pick things based on uh, who is available. So well, we let the we let the viewer know what would have happened if our bracket played out. But yeah, what what would you pick between The Sixth Sense and One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest? One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest was a movie for me that I, I always really loved, and it didn't quite hold up as much on this go-round. The Sixth Sense is a movie that I just think is a really well-executed film. I would not have expected it to go this far in the bracket, Brad, but I would pretty easily put The Sixth Sense in over Cuckoo's Nest. Yeah, honestly, for being someone who does not like horror films, I just love The Sixth Sense. It holds a really near and dear place in my heart. I don't think that knowing the spoiler ruins that movie. I think there's so much going on in that film, aside from, you know, the big reveal near the end. And so for me, it was an easy choice to keep The Sixth Sense moving on. All right, so Sixth Sense goes into the round of eight, which leaves just one more matchup on this side of the bracket. That is the number 12 seed, Finding Nemo, up against the number 5 seed, Django Unchained. Brad, I think that this is where Nemo meets his end, finally. I have Django Unchained coasting into the round of 8 in this matchup. Yeah, I, Django is heartless enough to squash a small clownfish if he needed to save his wife. And uh, that's pretty much what happens here. Um <laughs> Yeah, Bob, this is a pretty easy one for me. Uh, Jamie Foxx and Christoph Waltz are going to... <laughs> waltz? To... Are they going to waltz? I was about to say that they're going <laughs> to waltz They're going to Christoph Waltz in. into the next one? Uh, <laughs> all right, so that means Jamie, that... Jamie Foxx is about to Christoph Waltz his way on in. <laughs> <laughs> so that means that Django Unchained moves into the round of eight, which takes us to the upper right quadrant for our Sweet 16 and the first matchup on that side of the bracket is the number two overall seed, Do the Right Thing, up against the 15 seed, Goodwill Hunting. Brad, again, for me, this is a no-brainer. I had the Iron Giant going here, and I picked Do the Right Thing over that. Now that the Goodwill Hunting is there, I'm still going to pick Do the Right Thing over that. I don't know where you are on this, but Do the Right Thing for me is, is better in every conceivable way than Goodwill Hunting. I, I think that I would put those two movies much closer together. Um, I think that there's a lot of stories of personal transformation that have been made in cinema, but Goodwill Hunting and Do the Right Thing are two of the most important. Um, but Bob, I'm with you on this. I think Do the Right Thing is the overall better movie, um, and and it's it's moving on for me. Pretty pretty well skating here into the round of eight, which takes us to our next matchup: Ridley Scott's Alien up against Alejandro Gonzalez Inarritu's Birdman. And again, Brad, this is really not a challenging one for me. I really love Birdman. I know that there are a lot of people out there that don't care for it, that think that it's pretentious. Um, that was not this movie for me. I love Birdman, and it easily gets the nod for me over Alien. Yeah, Bob, Birdman just has so many things going for it. I was honestly surprised to see it at number seven in our bracket. 
Um, so yeah, Birdman moves on for me as well. All right, and before we figure out what the last two entries into our Elite Eight are, we have one more award to give out today. That would be the most divisive movie. This is the movie that Brad and I actually had the biggest split on when it came to our scores. And if you've been paying attention at all to this episode, you probably know what that movie is. Brad, why don't you let him know what was the most divisive movie this season? <laughs> that's Yeah, that's going to be an obvious Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. Brad gave that film a two- out of 10, a two. I gave that film a much more appropriate nine and a half out of 10, which means that we were a full 75% apart from each other in our spread on this movie. Uh, that I don't ever see us topping that, to be quite honest with you, Brad, unless I give something a 10 and you give it a one. Yeah, nine and a half and two. I Once again, it was just a garbage movie for garbage people like you. And I don't know why why people love that movie so much. But for the sake of our friendship, I will put it aside and say this. I love you, Bob. I love you, and too. It'll, it, it'll be okay, Even man. though you we'll think get, I'm a garbage person. We'll, we'll get through this, you garbage person, you. <laughs> All right, Brad. The last couple matchups in our round of 16. We have the number three seed, The Dark Knight, up against the number 14 seed, Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone. Once again, great movies all. The Dark Knight wins for me. Yeah, despite a, you know, ending action sequence that struggled a lot due to a forced plot about uh, Big Brother surveillance, um, The Dark Knight is still one of the best movies ever made, and I I'm going to advance it into the Elite Eight. That leaves us with one more matchup. We have the number 11 overall seed, The Revenant, going up against the number six overall seed, The Empire Strikes Back. Brad, I know that you are probably already mad at me that this fell to the number six overall seed. I know for a fact it was your number one overall movie of this season. This is actually a really challenging pick for me, Brad. I, I'm just not a Star Wars fan in the way that you are. I think that all the movies have, have flaws, and some of them have very major flaws. It's a really enjoyable film for me, but I think that I think about Empire the way that a lot of people think about an Indiana Jones movie. It's a it's a fun genre exercise. I don't know that I would call it like a transcendent film. And so, Brad, you're going to hate me again. But I actually chose The Revenant to move on over The Empire Strikes Back. Oof. Yeah, Robert, that is a mistake. You need to come over and join the dark side. We have cookies. <laughs> I yeah, I I do understand your infatuation with The Revenant. It, it's a very interesting, challenging movie. There's a lot going on there. But I think that The Empire Strikes Back is a absolute, monumental, important piece of film history. I mean, when you think about, no spoiler alerts, when you think about you know the biggest reveals of all time, finding out that Darth Vader was Luke's father absolutely changed the landscape of of movies. Absolutely. And so for me, it's an easy choice to move Empire Strikes Back forward. I think I could I, be swayed either way very easily. This I don't think The Revenant's perfect. And I think this time around, I, I gave it a nine. Like, I could be very easily talked into Empire. It is certainly the more culturally significant film. And I will not be even a little bit upset if it does win this coin flip. But that means that we do have to end this episode, Brad, on a coin flip. So... Heads is going to be The Revenant. Tails is going to be The Empire Strikes Back. Brad, flip the coin of destiny.
Bob. Bradley. The Revenant moves on. <laughs> I actually hate that that's the case. I kind of think that Empire might be the better movie now that I think about it. But You son of a but you know, but you know what? This is what I experienced last year with Casablanca, man. So welcome to the club, my friend. We have the Elite Eight finalized for our season two bracket. And we are down to these ones. The number one seed, Saving Private Ryan. The number eight seed, When Harry Met Sally. Number four, The Sixth Sense. Number five, Django Unchained. We have the number two seed, Do the Right Thing. The number seven seed, Birdman. The number three seed, The Dark Knight. And the number 11 seed, The Revenant, which I think means that the only non-favorite to get to the Elite Eight is The Revenant, Brad. Bob, all I have to say is that The Empire Strikes Back won my bracket. Oh my gosh, dude. Really? Did it really? I also want to say that in the Elite Eight, I have seven out of eight of them picked correctly. Five, six. I have six out of eight. All right, so Bobby, Brad, you're 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 pulling ahead of me here. Look, listen, you man. You are hey, lucky. I will you say are this: lucky that I have such moral fiber. I'll tell you what: I can honestly say I did not pick The Revenant simply to force a coin flip. I really do think that those movies are neck and neck to me in terms of quality. I would not have been one bit upset or offended if Empire had won. And Brad, now you just get to understand what it's like to have one of your favorite movies of all time thrown into the fiery abyss. So, folks, thank you for joining us for installment one of our bracket challenge. We will be back on Thursday to go through the Elite Eight, the Final Four, and the championship matchup. For the Film and Whiskey Podcast, I'm Bob Book. Yeah, you might be listening to an episode of Bob talking about it all by himself. (laughs) Oh, but uh, I'm Brad G. And we'll see you next time.